You're listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of GreenBiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. A little over two years ago, Columbia Forest Products, the country's biggest manufacturer of hardwood, plywood, and veneers, launched a new forward-looking green product. The Purebond line of plywood products are manufactured using a formaldehyde-free adhesive. Green products are nothing new in the building world, but what made Purebond stand out is that it's cost-neutral with similar formaldehyde-based products. A green building product that performs as well or better than a conventional product for the same cost is still a remarkably rare occurrence, so Columbia should have had a gold mine on its hands. But in the notoriously conservative forest products industry, as Columbia's John McIsaac describes it, marketing and selling pure bond outside the green building industry was anything but easy. Green Biz Radio sat down with John to learn about Columbia's experiences and to share the lessons they learned in the process. For Green Biz Radio, this is Matthew Wieland. John, I guess um, the first thing I'd like to to ask you about is um, I would like to explore your company's experience with rolling out green products, but before we get into that, uh, I guess we should talk about the products themselves. So would you explain to me, um, just tell me about the Pure Bond products and what makes them stand out? Well, uh, the Pure Bond applies to a range of plywood products, hardwood plywood products, and um, what makes them stand out is they're formaldehyde-free using a soy-based adhesive system, and they're cost-neutral with traditional formaldehyde-based hardwood plywood. And, you know, there's always been, uh, for the last, at least for the last 15 years, there's always has been um, formaldehyde-free uh, alternatives available, but they're, they have traditionally been quite a bit more expensive, 20 to 30 percent more expensive than traditional hardwood plywood. And that's what differentiates Pure Bond, aside from the fact that it's using soy flour, is that it's cost neutral. And what led to the development of these? Well, an, a professor at Oregon State University's College of Forestry, uh, Dr. Kai Chang Lee, was working on alternative adhesive systems for the panel industry, and it was just through his academic endeavors. And he was on the Oregon coast. He was walking down the beach, and he noticed mussels clinging to the rocks along the coast while they were being dashed by waves. And he was, he asked, you know, he thought to himself, well, they're they're able to cling to those rocks with all of that water crashing down on them. There must be a natural reason for that. So he tested them in his lab, and he discovered that what allowed them to adhere to the rocks was an amino protein that they produced. And so what he did was, he, he through a process called biomimicry, he created a, a like amino protein um, adhesive with using soy flour. And um, and he was he was onto something. He realized that that if he could find a binder to to kind of create a, a more water resistant recipe, um, he would uh, he would have something for the panel industry. So he did through Hercules, uh, which is a chemical company that produces a binder that's commonly used in paper towels and and paper currency. 
he got the whole formula put together, and he made a presentation to the Forest Products Society a few years back, and we had one of our executives there, the, who's now a vice president, but back, to, back in the, at that time he was a director of innovation for the company. And he, uh, Dr. Lee, made a presentation on this, on this new technology, and, and in the audience were many representatives from other forest products companies and adhesive companies. And when he was done, everybody was polite, and they said, well, that's great, sounds great, we'll catch you later. And um, our guy, Steve Pung, uh, went up to Dr. Lee at the end of the presentation. He said, this, this seems viable. Can we talk further about possibly partnering with you to finance some, more, some further research and development? And that's how the relationship started. Fast forward three years, and we launched the um, PureBond product into the market in uh, the, well, I guess it was the early second quarter of 2005. Okay. And what was the general industry response when you released them? Well, initially the industry response was was favorable, although um, our competitors were angry because we had uh, exclusive rights to the patent on this on this technology for the hardwood plywood industry. So in order for them to use the technology, they'd have to go through us. Now, since then, we have formed an adhesives um, marketing division. So we sell the adhesive technology to our competitors for a very nominal fee. And um, I wouldn't call it nominal, but a very reasonable fee. So it allows everybody to, to share in this in this really wonderful technology and uh, but and their initial reaction was uh, resentment and it was pretty controversial and they and they set about to, to kind of trash us with uh, with our customers and so forth and they were just they were just pretty much angry and also we were um, we were we were actively um, and uh, very vocally opposed to formaldehyde because we didn't have to use it anymore. And so um, some of the industry associations that were pro-formaldehyde came out against us either. It's been kind of a tough road. Now it's not so much because all of our competitors have come out with formaldehyde-free alternatives as well. So the, the technology in many different forms is readily available throughout the market. So this is without even having to go through your... That's uh, correct. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I always thought, why did they need to go through us? If we were able to find uh, viable, economically um, efficient um, option, why couldn't somebody else do the same? But, you know, we ha- we're, we're part of a very conservative, inflexible, old-line industry, and, and innovation is not one of the things that we're known for. Mm-hmm. So when a company comes or comes along that, that does innovate, it really, really stirs up the pot. So I want to come back to um, how this has progressed, but can you tell me what, what lessons did you learn during the process, whether it's about how to market a green product in a not entirely green industry or about reaching out to other companies within the industry? Well, we reached out to a lot of companies, and... Not all, and the, in the uh, early months, it's been a couple years now, so I would even say the first year and a half or so, other companies were not really interested in talking to us, primarily because we had a sub-license on the patent that 
give a, a cause and exclusive situation. But we were, were looking for partners at the time, and they still hadn't gotten it, that it was important to do this. And so that part of it was difficult. Nowadays, it's, it's gotten a little easier, and I think everybody's come, ar- come around to realizing this is necessary. Um, in terms of marketing a green product, it's not hard to market a green product to the architect and design community because they're already tuned into how important that is. Sustainability is not a fad. It's it's definitely um, the focal point of almost all modern architecture, whether it's in the residential, commercial, or industrial sectors. So what we needed to do is we, we, we did a very, very strong push in the PR uh, world, which is my domain, and then um, we also ran a very effective ad campaign in architecture and design um, publications, too. But one of the things that was essential to our campaign was to educate the various publics about the health dangers of formaldehyde. It's a known human carcinogen designated as such by the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is part of the World Health Organization. And a lot of other agencies are coming out with the same um, the, the same decision on that. So uh, I think that we kind of were, we were effective in educating um, our highly focused end, end users. And now um, through some other things that are happening in the media, including the FEMA trailer disasters, um, I think the general public is becoming aware that formaldehyde is a bad actor, just like lead and paint and in asbestos and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so you said that um, architects and designers were already on board with the product or the ideas behind the product um and was it limited to the the sort of green architecture and design worlds or has it gone beyond that since then well i think every major architectural firm in in every major city in america has somebody on staff who's a lead accredited professional and i don't wouldn't call that necessarily green building i think that's just a piece of the intellectual makeup of most architectural firms anymore and um, and especially in the con- commercial world because that's where you, you see the most focus on energy efficiencies and environmental health and so forth so they've been following this for a while I would say 10 or 15 years but when you know they start calling for formaldehyde-free products, and, and, and all of a sudden they're, they're offered something that doesn't cost them any, any extra, it kind of starts a revolution in the industry, and that's what we did. And let's see, let me think how best to phrase this. Um, why was the industry so resistant to a product that, at least on paper, offers only positives if it's cost neutral or cost competitive is you know um, more friendly to the environment for the workers for to the environment of the planet why was the industry so resistant do you think well there's there's a couple of reasons first it's an old line conservative industry that does not like change that's 
that is an answer in and of itself. The second part is we had an exclusive on this patent. And the third part is we drew attention to the fact that they were manufacturing products with formaldehyde in them. And they really, a lot of, a lot of manufacturers um, in the panel industry are aware that formaldehyde is not a good thing, but they haven't been regulated in the United States up until now, until these regulations in California just, that just were just voted in. Um, so they were able to kind of, uh, you know, not, I won't say pull the wool over the eyes of the public because most domestic producers of plywood do not uh, manufacture products with heavy amounts of formaldehyde. But a lot of the large cabinet makers and case goods furniture makers buy panels from China. And the Chinese manufacturers ship a lot of very, very toxic formaldehyde lace panels and products into the United States because we don't have regulations. So all of a sudden, we called attention to the fact that there's formaldehyde in these products. And it really it riled a lot of people. And, um, you know, it, they're, they're worried because it would drive their costs up if they had to start specifying formaldehyde-free panels to make cabinets. And, and, and that's true if they didn't buy our panels. But they got angry with us for, for uh, making them seem like they were putting toxic products into the marketplace. Well, they were. And it wasn't necessarily the domestic producer's fault. But a lot of the companies who are importing uh, the toxic panels from China are American companies. So they need to kind of revamp the whole way they're looking at, they're looking, they look at their manufacturing. And regulations need to affect imports just as much as they do domestic panels. And that's one of the things that they're, they were pushing for. I think that, I think the uh, anger has pretty much been diffused and we're not in the crossfire anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more level at the Chinese producers, but I'm not worried about them because they will do what it takes to sell in the United States. Well, that I think you, that segues very nicely into the next thing I wanted to mention, which was you said that um, all the manufacturers now have some sort of formaldehyde-free product. They do. Uh, what led to that? Was it technological innovation? Was it things like the FEMA trailers? or these upcoming regulations in California, which I think we'll talk about again in a moment. Um, why, what led to this widespread adoption? It was, it was uh, I would say, almost 100% spurred on by the regulations in California because California is the largest state in the United States, most populous state. It's the fifth or sixth largest world economy, and you cannot ignore it. And then, furthermore, what California does in terms of environmental regulations usually follows in other states, and certainly immediately in Oregon and in Washington, and generally it spreads east from there. And um, so the, these, these manufacturers aren't dumb. They realize the handwriting's on the wall. Plus, lots of them are manufacturing cabinets in the Midwest and selling them into California, and the regulations affect everything. Every, if you're doing business in California, it doesn't matter if you're making the goods there or selling the goods there from, from another um, you know, point of uh, origin, it, the regulations apply. So that's why they've, they've done this. And you'll even see it in their advertising. It says, 
carb compliant. Mm-hmm. Call it CARB stands for California Air Resources Board. Right. And so just for background, the um, explain to me the regulations that are taking place in California. Well, um, I, without, I have to get a piece of paper to actually go into all the, the various parts per million and everything that, that uh, I mean, there's the technical aspects of it. But basically, it's a two-phase um, set of recu- regulations beginning in 2009, and it affects composite wood products. Composite wood products... Um, as a category, are comprised of hardwood plywood, MDF, medium-density fiber board, and particle board. And uh, in the hardwood plywood segment of that, there's the veneer core hardwood plywood, which is the bulk of what we make, and there's the composite core hardwood plywood, which means a layer of veneer on the face and a layer of veneer on the back, and then the middle of the core is... The substrate is completely made up of MDF or particle board. Um, so, basically, over the course of two phases, starting in 2009 and ending in, I believe, 2012, um, it virtually eliminates all the formaldehyde and it eliminates all but background levels in um, the veneer core and composite core hardwood plywood and um, and very, very low uh, levels in the the composite core um, or the MDF in the particle board. And the, the highest is what the Europeans demand right now. Is that clear? Yes. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I made that clear. It's really hard to describe, but I don't know if in an audio explanation of this, all of the parts per million would make sense to people. Right. No, I I don't think so. I think the basics of this two-phase ban on formaldehyde used, and it's all wood products, right? Yes, it's wood products and specifically composite wood products, panels. And um, it doesn't affect the structural panels that that you use in um, sheathing and subflooring and so forth, but particle board, MDF, and hardwood plywood, interior-grade panels. And when the when the regulations are fully impl- implemented in 2012 or 13, they'll be the toughest comprehensive regulations on the planet. And how do you expect these to affect both your company and the forest products industry? Well, for our company, I would expect that they will um, affect us positively because we already meet the phase two uh criteria right now. Our, our hardwood plywood is formaldehyde-free, or as formaldehyde-free as you can get without, you know, you know, taking into account the natural formaldehydes in, in the um, ambient environment, because certain things give off formaldehyde, and trees do, and, you know, a lot of natural things. It occurs in, in the um, process of decay in a lot of living things. So uh, that, but I'm talking specifically about urea formaldehyde, which is created in the lab and used in adhesive for wood products because we don't use it in um, our in our manufacturing process. Okay. I guess in closing, are there any other any tips or lessons that you would give to companies who are are embarking on something like this, whether it's uh, using 
green products or marketing green products or uh, anything along these lines? Any tips that you would give to uh, companies from this experience? Well, I would encourage all companies that can that can um, apply sustainable manufacturing principles to their business to do so because what we call green building right now in five years that will just be building the the the, the whole concept of sustainability by design is here to stay you know it's not a fad and um, and the, and especially in the wood products um, industry we have one of the most um, inherently sustainable industries out there explain because, that a little bit well what what's more what's more um, sustainable than wood if you you grow trees and they grow back you know it's 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 really actually uh, you know we've in years past we've come under fire not necessarily my industry but the software industry for logging practices but sustainable forestry is one of the most greatest examples of um, environmental stewardship out there and it's it not only is it, it because it, it it benefits the economy as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wouldn't want to get into too big of a digression, but I think that the forestry industry as a whole has a fair amount of marketing of itself to do to explain that it is sustainable. Uh, it does. You know, there was uh, one of the biggest private um, timber holders, Hampton Affiliates. John Hampton died a few years ago, and he said that the before he died, he said that. The forest products, the greatest fault of the or flaw in the forest products industry was not educating the public about how, how of the good practices that it, that it um, performed. You know, and we were always, you know, like I said, we're the hardwood industry has never been part of the whole spotted owl and 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 that kind of thing, but um, there's a lot of good coming out of the wood products industry. You know, you look at the chemical industry and compare it to the wood products industry. So there's quite a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there's enough there for a whole other interview, I think. Yeah. So, all right, great. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to talk with us. No problem. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.